Welcome to Deadly Discussions, a podcast on social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional landowners on whose land we record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Now, today we have Florence Drummond, and thanks for coming on, Florence. Morning, Isaac. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. And whereabouts are we calling you today? Um, so, I'm up in Weeper. Um, at the moment, so this is where I live and work. So yeah, far yeah. north Queensland. Far north Queensland. Now, for anyone who doesn't know about the great state of Queensland, you can tell where I'm from. Um, what's the nearest town to Weeper? Uh, yes, our nearest town is Cairns. So that's Cairns. about 800 k's away. Mm. Yeah, 800 k's away. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm assuming. What's the weather there today as well? Uh, beautiful today. It's actually probably the best time of year to visit. Um, yes, it's not super hot. We've still got a bit of water around yeah. from the wet season. So, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. No. <laughs> it's currently, <laughs> I drove in and it was six degrees. I had to drive through fog to get to the <laughs> studio this morning. And I was thinking um, about my beautiful Cubby Cubby country and Sunshine Coast. I said, yeah. this time of the year at Mullaney is yeah. perfect. Um, so, let's move on to your story. Now, you've got a few different uh i suppose stories you could share um mm. but one i'd really like to um to start on is you know where where's your mob from or where's you know where did you grow up yeah yeah so i'm a darawatsi woman so both from east coast Torres, uh, eastern area of Torres Strait, and also east coast of australia so over uh, near lockhart river shelburne bay area yeah um so living here on Alnis country which is here in western Cape. Um, yeah, born and raised on TI, so Thursday Island all the way up top there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there for most of my prim- or all of my primary school years and then got shifted down south to Brisbane for boarding school. So, yeah, never really been back home, but this yeah. is closest to home, so I do love it here. Yeah, true. Um, you know, I know I don't have to do that big a move from Harvey Bay to Brisbane, but I do <laughs> know there was a lot of... Torres Strait, Thursday Island, um, Palm Island, uh, people that were sent to boarding school in Brisbane. Um, and that really was like foreign to me because I was like, oh, boarding school, like, you know, this is bad as getting sent to a mission, you know, thinking in my head. So, so you know, what's sort of the, the thinking that goes behind, you know, sending, you know, young Indigenous people to a boarding school? Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm thinking about it like being up there on, on TINN community, it is a community. So yeah. the opportunities for the quality of ed- education that's available um, is, is um, yeah, it's definitely lacking for development for young, for, for our youth. So I love my parents that they did send me away at the time. Yeah. Um, at the time, I just liked it initially, but, you know, moving away from home, yeah. meeting new people, not really knowing how to speak English properly. True. So, but um, no, it's, I loved it now. So hmm. Yeah, well, really would have put you out of your comfort zone at a young age. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's fantastic. And so you're boarding school in Brisbane and you go straight into university in Brisbane? Or? Yeah, and you know what? I actually did. I attempted university a few times, but yeah. I didn't quite get there. Yep. But um, yeah, and so just kind of started working and um, worked a lot in hospitality because that was easy to get into. You know, you don't need a lot of qualifications to yep. get into that. Yep. Um, yeah, stuck with that for a bit, but I thought, you know what? My parents sent me away to an expensive boarding school. What the hell am I doing, pretty much? <laughs> That's right. I can understand <laughs> that logic. Um, let's take it back to there because you said about hospitality. Now, I think a lot of blackfellas are getting stuck on the trend that 
um, you know, university is the only path. You know, if you want to help your mob in that higher education, you must go to university. And I said, I like how you said you went to hospitality and the qualifications, but I think mm-hmm. the qualification you do need from hospitality is a hard work ethic. And um, a lot of people don't have that and all have to develop that. So do you want to share on sort of how you've sort of put that hard work ethic in to sort of get to where you are, you know, today, where you're up in the mines and Weeper? Yeah, definitely. Well, what I really got out of my experience with events and hospitality is that, yeah, you got to work hard in all those shift work and, and all of that, but it's more so just the, the connection of people as well and the, you know, the position that you put in where you have to talk to people and you have yeah. to be show yourself and be vulnerable a bit because I think as black people or indigenous people, um, yeah. we, we're often so shy that we, we're even too scared to ask questions. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that really for me is what I took the most out of my experience there. Yeah, that's good. I find that, yeah, that's so true with us. Us mob is um, a lot of black people are very introverted and some are mm. even extremely extroverted. Um, yeah. you know, my family in particular, saltwater, we had massive you know, family feasts around dugong and sea turtle and it was very loud. But then I remember mm. spending time with on the, at Mission Sherberg where we'd go out and have <laughs> events and um, the waka waka people there were like the opposite. They were like quiet and like wouldn't say anything and you'd have to really press to sort of have a conversation. And I realized, yeah. wow, there's actually differences between the different tribes. Um, oh, wow. You know, and, um, people like, you know, Murray Saylor, you probably know Murray. Um, mm. He's extremely extroverted. You know, he bounces off the energy in the room. He creates more energy and he just keeps going and going. And we have like our Supply Nation Connect event, which is next week, actually. And um, my staff say it's so weird because traditionally they go to trade conferences and everyone gets drained and is over it by like the third hour and then want to go mm. home, you know, sore on your feet. He said, but he looks around, he sees all the indigenous people are laughing, uh, getting more energy. And he's like, how are you getting more energy from each other? And he said, it'll yeah. last all through the conference and then the next day and then they're at the gala events dinner and they're still going. And I said, I don't know, that's just, I think that community-based approach is one of our strengths. Absolutely, and that's so great and so true as well and important that like in an industry where I'm in is that because we're such a minority, you know, all this shame yeah. is also mis, um, misinterpreted as um, that you're uninterested or you're uneducated yeah. or yeah, that's right, all of that, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. then you just don't tend to progress because you don't ask those questions and participate in the right, um, like in the right forum. So Yeah, ex- exactly right. I know having that growing up playing, you know, sport and then I played semi-pro in Brisbane for my <laughs> soccer and I never really pushed like for that first team position. Like I never really... <laughs> Like, when, you know, we call it in, you know, cubby cubby, you know, sniffing around. You know, we're never really sniffing around for this, you know, promotion or opportunity. It just, it doesn't really come across our radar. You know, we're very mm. grateful to get where we are and we enjoy those things. And, yeah, we don't speak up so we're taken as being, you know, soft or weak or, you know, shame or you're embarrassed or you're not confident. But um, our mentality is, no, if you put your foot forward and try to, then you're showing off, you know, you're trying to promote yourself. Mm. And I think that's a very big difference with Australian culture where it's sort of the, you've got that pride and you've got to stand up and be confident and be bold and where Indigenous culture, that's seen as being, you know, too forward. Yeah. It's funny, hey, because then where do you, where do you best fit, where you're best, you're performing to your best and trying to 
uh, you know, help it positively impact and influence your people, but not be shut down yeah. if you're, you know, if you're being judged as well. So yeah, definitely huge lateral violence as well that that we need to address and, af- and actively talk about. Yeah, definitely facilitate around that. I'm sure there's like, you know, different cultures around the world that have very similar, um, you know, circumstance where, yeah, they're trying to go forward and, and impose themselves in this new new world, but keeping mm. that tradition um, the same. So, awesome. I think we'll go into um, what you're currently doing. So, you're now, you're working out at, who do you work for now in the mines? Uh, Rio Tinto. So, you're working for Rio Tinto out in yep. Weeper. Now, I'd love yeah. to touch on, firstly, now when we say mining, now I'm from renewables, so technically, oh, yeah. me and you should not be talking right now, no, but there, yeah. there needs to be an understanding that mining, when we see someone driving a Tesla, they have a lithium ion battery, lithium is mined in Australia. I think mm-hmm. we have one of, I think the second highest amount in the world, something yeah. like that. Um, we've got nickel, mm-hmm. which is used in um, different, um, you know, batteries in different parts, obviously copper. Um, we also have, um, I don't think in Australia, but you know, you've got silicon as well. Um, that's used in solar panels. So for a lot of our product in renewables actually have to be mined. Um, do you want to you know, address some of those you know, stigmas around renewables and mining? Yeah, and, and I guess like we, we spoke about that as, as well earlier. I think mining, and for me, especially as an Indigenous woman, promoting mining industry as an opportunity for financial uh, betterment for your own you know, quality of life. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much, um, you know, we, we just don't realise how much um, of our everyday things that we use, you know, do you even question where they come from? Where do you think your car came from or your TV? Where do you think that all yeah. these things came from? So I think from uh, what's important for me is really promoting all of the positive things about mining, but also just really getting t- people to realise that this is, in, this is an industry that, that does employ a huge amount of Indigenous people and we can definitely use it to, um, you know, really change our yeah. narrative and change, you know, make generational change and take ownership of it. Yeah, exact. Taking ownership, I think, is very key. I think before, um, and I've been tempted in my own business journey when things get a bit overwhelming and, you know, you're looking for, you know, scaling it to the next level and you want to outsource it, but you're just doing it because you just want, you know, to get paid and, and, that things keep running smoothly. And I think for Ooh. Indigenous people with mining as well, the opportunity comes where someone's done feasibility on their on their land and they said, we can do this, we can do X, Y, Z for you. And they go, sure, and they just sign the paper. And it's very yeah. like tempting to do that. But I think yeah. it's evolving now where we're getting very educated Indigenous people. Um, we're getting people who experience um, you know, great business acumen and we're getting professional services booms indigenous lawyers and barristers coming out and we're teaming up now to be like all right if you want to mine my land you know what i'd expect you know 50 indigenous businesses i'd expect a profit share um going for 10 15 years i would expect you know like really setting the boundaries because we've yeah. now seen the wrong way to do it you know what i mean yeah definitely and i think as well like you know and understanding what actually happens when you know a mine is established and there are these great land use agreements as well that are agreed upon as well yep. they're not just enforced so that's opportunity there for traditional owners to really 
put forward what they want for their generation because that's what we've got going on, um, you know, in many places in Australia. So it's really understanding the holistic view of what mining actually provides to a community and and I guess um, putting it, really thinking about the social impact as well. So these mines, they're in communities that are in the bush, yep. like I said before, Cairns is 800 kilometres away. Like, yeah, wow. And so the lack of accesses of services, you know, like for education, for domestic violence, for... yeah. Um, all these services that we lack here, yep. we need um, infrastructure investment to really help community because we definitely have a high rate of suicide that goes on in our industry, yeah. domestic violence in communities, all of that, drug and alcohol as well. Like, yep. All of these are huge social impacts, oh, yep. social issues that we have, but we can definitely positively impact them if we're really taking advantage of how we can proactively um, develop ourselves education-wise with, within the mining industry. Yeah, definitely. I think the big improvements, I was thinking, I think it's Rio Tinto's ads recently I've seen about sort of smart cars and a few other things. Irregardless, mm. I think mining really hasn't done that community grassroots engagement well, like with the, with the, the average Australian. Um, yeah, and just keeping yeah, them up to date. I'm guilty of the same with internally with my team. Sometimes I don't communicate as much as I should be in a you know routinely matter. Like every month, mm. hey guys, this is what we've done because I'm just busy. I'm doing things. Um, same with mining. I think it's just sort of stagnated for a while, and they've let other parties in Australia dictate the the view to have on mining. Oh, the mining mm. boom is going to end. It's you know what we're going to do then. When when I talk to people in mining, it's like a different story. So there seems to be some sort of you know gap here where what's the truth and and finding out the right information becomes really difficult. becomes It becomes a political thing. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But uh, before I go on, I really mm. didn't ask you how you went from hospitality to mining. Oh. Before I get into the next question about <laughs> yeah, what you're yeah, doing yeah. now, um, how did that happen? Yeah, okay, so hospitality to mining, yep. So um, so lived in Brisbane, then I went to Melbourne, loved Melbourne, great yeah, experience for me, cultured, and just, it was amazing, loved it. Um, I was in hospitality there, then I moved on to VACA, you would be aware of VACA, which is the Victorian Aboriginal Child Care Agency. Yeah, yeah, I know VACA, yeah. Yeah, so I worked with them for a little while, and that really exposed me to a lot of the, just a lot of the, the harshness of Aboriginal and Torres Strait families across yeah. Victoria, but also more so the lower socioeconomic, you know, reality for people yeah um and that really uh that really saddened me because it was it was very harsh and so it definitely made me homesick so yeah. i needed to come back home and of course coming back home and living on ti that wasn't viable because opportunities yeah. there as well like a job so yeah we right. is very close to ti yeah um yeah so i put in for a job here directly with rio and Bought a caravan, bought a floor driving. Me and my partner drove up. We were just for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well. An and that caravan's yeah, still going yeah. or? No, no, we're, uh, we're in a house now. <laughs> you retired it and moved into it. So you've, we, you've we given up the gypsy life and you've joined the rest of the Australian civilization, which is great. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much it, yeah. Wow. And so TI, Thursday Island, yep. um, just so for our listeners, because um, a lot of people say TI, they think it's Torres Strait Islander. Um, but we know that Tor- TI is Thursday and TSI is Torres Strait Islander. So not to be confused, yep. listeners, next time you hear that said. Um, okay, let's go into what you're doing now. So you've okay. now sort of sort of migrated into being um, running your own 
business slash um, advocacy. Um, do you want to explain what you're currently doing on top of your you know everyday mining role? Yeah, yeah. So um, for being in the industry now for six years, you definitely get to talk to a lot of people. Um, shift work is long work, so we work on shift for 12 hours day and night. Yep. You really get to get to know people very well and you talk about things that are really concerning them. Um, what the conversation that I was always talking within is like, you know, lack of progression. How do we get better? Indigenous people as well, you know, how do we help our community, our yep. families and can and all of that. So it all started to get, um, really get me thinking, relating back to VACA, relating back to communities and all the privileges that I had. You know, yeah. how can I then use that um, to really start to progress here as, here as well? So yeah. um, Indigenous Women in Mining and Resources Australia um, started that last year. Yeah. Um, and that was essentially just to reach out and connect with every other Indigenous woman that we have in our industry around yeah, well. Australia. Okay, yeah. um, that was excellent. So statistically, I think we're sitting about 1,300. Well, I know that we're sitting about 1,300. Yep. Um, but that was in the 2016 census. So moving on, there's, there's a lot more of us that are, that are here because yep. there's cleaning services and all of that as well that are also attached. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's it. And it's pretty much exploded because it's a space that hasn't really been explored on a national level. Um, we do have support groups or women in mining groups. Yeah for each state, but not a national group for Indigenous people. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was very important because second to the government where the well, the industry itself is the, the largest employer for Indigenous people. So yeah, okay. if you really look at that in terms of numbers, we can really make some great positive yeah. changes or, and share our positive stories with everyone to inspire people to be better, really. Yeah, wow. I didn't know there was yeah. <clears throat> so many Indigenous women in mining. In mining yeah. in general, what's the ratio for women to men? If um, it, it depends on each what in it depends on each mine site. I know yep. here in Weepa, being a residential mine, it's it's actually quite healthy. Um, yeah, I know there's I can't tell you the, the most updated um, figures, but on cruise you can see there's a healthy number of men and women, but yep. also Indigenous as well. So yeah, um, it's good. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. Some yeah. of the my friends who have done mining, yeah, they said that when there's that balance on site, even in the military um, circumstance as well, um, it really is healthy. It just feels, um, I don't know, if you go one way, you get guys, they, you know, you get bossy with each other, you get a bit cranky. Um, mm. um, and, but the women on site, I know, I did know one statistic, I forgot it now, but it was about um, women driving those big, like, you know, caterpillars versus mm. the men driving it and how the women drivers like maintained their equipment at a higher standard and they like yeah. really like nurtured it and treated it as if it was their like you know their own machine where the guys were still doing the thrash <laughs> and bash sort of mentality um and i sort of laughed at that because it's just like the different way that men and women sort of see things so that's yeah, why and, we need both and definitely yeah and, and it's definitely in line with a lot of the push for gender and in sorry, diversity and inclusion with yep. many other industries as well, you know, like women on boards and all of that. So it has all of that effect in everything. It's just for myself, it's really making sure that, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and people are, are present and part of change as well. Yep. So that's my biggest push. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, we've recently brought um, Jenea Winmar onto our uh, team and she's um, heading up our 
relationship management and business development. Um, so having a, a woman in the executive team definitely changes things. I know some of my boys, and they'll probably listen to this and get cranky at me, um, but they just the way they, they talk and sort of change their tone to accommodate yeah. a new member in the team and be a bit more um, like accommodating. And, and Janae's way and approach is um, very much storytelling. So yeah. we've had people that, we just have the same as part of Indigenous culture and her ability. She wants to express information to you, but in the form of a story. And so, yeah, just having those understandings between the different cultures and, and genders is, I think, really important and healthy for everyone. Yeah, definitely. And, like, you know, I'd be talking to people within my network as well, and there's always questions about, okay, well, how are we going to help our men as well? So we're already trying and thinking and knowing that what we do and, and everything that's around yeah. us affect our men and our families and, and our communities. So we definitely have that holistic viewpoint yeah. and, yeah. Um, yeah, we try to keep that in mind when we're talking about things. Yeah, that's very important. The poor old men, sometimes they get forgotten. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the poor old black men, I should probably highlight even more. I went to, by accident, by accident, I went to a women in business um, lunch. So mm. you can imagine I was sort of the only guy there. Um, but they were talking and just doing the thing and um, sharing about investment given to women um, entrepreneurs, which is extremely low and pretty sad to hear. Um, but also they were talking about the relationships with um, our men and how to mm. support our men and, and be there for the men. And that for me was really like um, sort of like amazing because I never really thought about you know we don't go as men to business meetings and say and to take care of our women and our children mm. you know like emphasizing it as much on a keynote speech like it's yeah. just not really heard of so to see the mm. the women get up the successful women and really share that as one of the key points it was like wow there's a lot we could actually learn from this so um yeah oh. get encouraged by seeing all your posts and tripping around it always seems like you trip around the globe i don't know how you have time for a, a job yeah actually neither <laughs> do i and, and- I was actually going to point, uh, just touch on what you said there with the you know men also being present. Is that on my trip to the UN to New York yep. um, a month ago, I think, or a couple of months ago? Yeah, wow. Um, I was at yeah, I was at the Canadian Embassy and the First Nation women up of Canada. Um, they were amazing as well because it was yep. the, the session that that they were having. It was to do with incarceration and domestic violence, much yeah, the same wow. like what we have here. Yeah, and and the ladies, or the speaker said, you know, it's great that there's women here, but where are the men? So yeah. there's two wow. men in the, you know. Yeah, there. wow. So, and, and again, it's about that ownership and putting it back on, on each other to be responsible for for the betterment of our, of yeah, our society. Right. Yeah, mm. I know a recent um, sort of event we had where um, there was, you know, a young lady needing help and, and what really moved my heart was seeing like my nana who had 11 kids to my, um, well, it was 10, one didn't make it, but um, to my grandfather who... Um, you know, used to beat into her. He was he was alcoholic because he worked on the railroads for free. He was also a South Sea Islander, bloodline too, because I was a Kanaka. Mm. And um, for him, it was like the women become this matriarch and actually have to hold the entire unit together yeah. out of survival instinct. And my, you know, uncles and, and my mother and that grew up on very little hand-me-downs, you know, damper, um, you know, and really struggled because the men were sort of taken out of their proper role in our culture. And so mm. I think that would be the same with any colonized nation and now coming into, you know, recompassing those, those past wrongs and the sorries and apologies. 
Let's finish up on the last question. This is sort of one of my favorite ones. Is your future, Florence, where will you be five to ten years? Uh, will you be running your own yours. mine? Will you be... Um, no. <laughs> maybe you'll be working with your sister who's in fashion. Oh, yeah. She's, I, I, I definitely appreciate what she does. Um, no, but definitely after my experience uh, over in the UN, I, def, I'm, I am going to be moving into international diplomacy. Yeah. Uh, d- because I think that's where our voice needs to be. That's our president needs presence needs to be as well. Because yeah. out, we're not even there, so we really oh. definitely need to be. We got be a long. Because- Indigenous people in this country have a long way to go. Saying it as an mm. Indigenous man, a highlighted. I've probably said it a few times, but we did the NRL All Stars game, and the, mm. the the Maldives came out and sang in harmony, sat together was such like it was beautiful it nearly made me cry yeah. when they were singing the national anthem um <laughs> and then our fellas <laughs> all sitting yeah. in different spots and you know um wearing all the different colors and then the australian anthem played and no one sang it because they're like well yeah. and i was like come on guys some of us here got white blood in us you know we still got to honor yeah. our country and um but then the, are we going to agree on an indigenous anthem i don't think so because we can't even agree on land title claims and rivers and boundaries yeah. So Definitely. for us, we have a long, and we have a very big country land-wise. We have a long way to go. And I, I assume that would be probably similar in the States um, in um, Canada as well. Mm. Yeah, we, we definitely have a lot to learn. But, you know, we need to remember that on that global scale, we've got a lot of people that we can talk to yeah, um, that's true. and learn from as well, you know, that knowledge exchange there. So it's not like we're doing it alone, you know. That's right, so. yeah. That's what really encourages me. And then one day I'll get to do a, a trip and maybe a white Christmas Maybe I'll ask. Once you're at the UN, I'll hit you up for a, an ambassador's trip. Yeah, come over. I'll hold you that to the now. It's recorded. No. Now, awesome. Oh. Thank, no. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, uh, Florence. And we'll, we'll be getting you back uh, in the future um, to hear where, you, where your story's um, going. And it's just really oh, encouraging to, to hear um, what you're doing and um, how the path you've sort of carved out for yourself. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for having me. No worries. Talk to you soon. Thank you.